With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cheryl Smith writing and rewriting history. First ever national title for Texas Tech. Jonathan Garibay. The boot is away. And it's Welcome one, welcome on to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are on once again with your boy, Albie Shore. And we have our Thursday night game. And what feels like every year our Thursday night game seems to always be against TCU. I know that's not really the case, but we've played them on Thursday night quite a few times. And this is, year is no different. And this year, one thing I love about the Tex-Tex-TCU rivalry is that, that we're usually at the same place. We're either both good or we're both bad, whether that's in football and basketball and baseball, and this year's no different because this year, both of us are bad. We're both three and five. We both don't feel good about each other, right? We're both two and three in conference, and uh, that's where we match up. And so to talk about, uh, and actually TCU is four and four, sorry, but we're both two and three in conference, and to talk about us both being mid, as the, as the Utes say, uh, I brought on the people that knows the Utes more than anyone, the people champ himself. Jeremy Gillen, what's up, Jerm? Knows the what's up, Albie? Um, I don't even know <laughs> how to how to even address that you're, because you're tapped in. You're I'm tapped, tapped in with the youth. I'm tapped into the awkwardness of being not tapped in. I'm 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 close enough. I have to deal with the youths on a daily basis, which is just a constant reminder of how not youth I am anymore. I feel like uh, what's that guy's name? Coming up with the skateboard and the backwards hat. God, what's that actor's name? Uh, how do you do, fellow kids? Yeah, how do you do, fellow students? That's me. That's me to 100%. Um, so, no, man, but hey, here we are talking sports. Here we are talking, and we got early preview for TCU in Lubbock on a Thursday night. When has that ever gone, gone wrong? Well, benefit here, though Texas Tech is the favorite in this game by Vegas standards for some rude, odd reason, uh, ESPN has finally given up on Texas Tech. <laughs> TCU, the matchup predictor on ESPN, had gives TCU a 50.6% chance of winning this game. ESPN has said, we're tired of this. We're tired of this. We've given up on you, Texas Tech. Because every week, Texas Tech has been the favorite, according to the ESPN matchup predictor, uh, in, until this week. So I appreciate that. But Vegas still has Texas Tech with as three-point favorites. And Lubbock, we, of course, got the home field boost a little bit. Um, Thursday night games in Lubbock are always crazy, right? But I will say, a little surprising, I, I'm, I'm now questioning the crowd for that game. Tickets as low as 6 bucks for the game. It is th- Thursday night's usually pretty crazy. And unlike most schools have difficulty selling out Thursday night games, Tech is usually not one of them. However, if ticket pricing is one thing we can we, uh, that we can gauge, we can kind of look at it and say, will this stadium be packed to see two mediocre teams play each other? Especially after the last time Texas Tech played against BYU. Especially on a Thursday where you don't, like if it was a Friday game, maybe you can take a three-day weekend. It's harder to ask off, you know, it's harder to ask off in the middle-ish of the, you know, right after the middle of the week. Um, Pretty much have to take like a, if you're coming from a long way away, you got to take like a four-day weekend. Is this a team you want to take a four-day weekend for? That And that's the thing. Like previous years, that hasn't always been the problem. Like previous years, Fans have just, you know, they've already planned it out before the year. Like, yeah, we're just going to do it. Like, it is what it is. Now, even if you already, maybe you already took the PTO off. Maybe you already, the PTO. Maybe you already were like, you know what? I already had this planned out. But now as the, the it, it's rearing its ugly head, do you sit back and you're like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to watch two and three TCU play two, two and three Texas Tech. You know what? I'm going to call it. I'm coming into work on Friday, Bob. Coming into work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what you just... I'm working overtime, Bob. It, yeah, I'm gonna work um, overtime. This team is I'll, that I'll bad. Be <laughs> I'll be here. So let's get into it. So this is a getting to be a tight series. TCU unfortunately has won four straight games in this series, five of the last six. 
Uh, seven of the last nine. Not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, not great at all. Texas Tech needs to get try, is trying to get back on the winning track of this. Um, last year's game. This was a game where TCU, of course, was undefeated in Fort Worth. Texas Tech had a real good shot at knocking them off. It was right into the very end. But then, of course, Max Duggan did what he did every game last year and pulled it out right at the end to give TCU the victory. Uh, this year, however, no Max Duggan. Uh, but, you know, it's a question of, I actually, from the TCU side, aren't really too positive who their quarterback is going to be, right? Uh, Chandler Morris. Has been their quarter was their quarterback to start the season was known to be their starting quarterback. Uh, everybody kind of knew that he'd be the guy, and then like has happened just like happened last year, Chandler Morris got hurt, and just like happened the uh, last year, it gave a chance for the backup Josh Hoover to come in and ball out. And against BYU, Josh Hoover, the freshman, did ball out. And I think there was a question of, ooh, do we need Chandler Morris? Is Chandler Morris? Going, that important? Does he need to be the um, the guy at TCU? And then they played an actual good team um, in K-State, and we found out pretty quickly, oh, no, yeah, yeah, no, we need Chandler Morris back. I don't think he plays in this game. That sprained MCL seems to be pretty serious. I think we are going to still see Josh Hoover, but how does that make you feel And the fact that Josh Hoover looked terrible against K-State but did look pretty good against BYU? Well, and this is the difficulty of the Big 12. And, and as we were talking about how, you know, TCU walloped BYU with their backup. And so for that became kind of a small storyline of, okay, well, we've got Jake Strong, third string, backup's backup. But BYU suffered, you know, they have a hard time against backup. They've, they've proven that against TCU. So it shouldn't be that big of an issue, right? If we have our backup backup come in, maybe we'll play well. But that didn't play out at all. Now, home field advantage versus being on the road, that's obviously difficult uh, difference. And apparently I mean, BYU is just continuously being ter- terrible on the road. Um, but Josh Hoover is a good illustration of the Big 12. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. And so <laughs> I feel like with the way that he's playing, you know, um, they had a good game against BYU, bad game against Kansas State. Is he due for a good game? If he plays, is he due for a good game against Texas Tech? Probably so. Um, and then it's just like, I don't know. I have no faith in looking at a depth chart for quarterbacks in the Big 12 and saying, no, we'll probably be okay because Kansas State trotted out their backup and he ran for five touchdowns. You never were going to look at him on the depth chart and say that that guy was going to be a menace. And yet he came out and did it in Lubbock. And so... The issue also expands to me that Lubbock, you know, last year, we did a really good job at protecting home field advantage. Um, We did not lose at home unless it was like well earned. Um, But this year, you know, you've already lost uh, a couple of crucial home games. And TCU is not a game you can look at and see, say, it doesn't matter who they trot out. We're probably going to win, especially with how this team is playing right now without a real identity. So is it Chandler Morris? Is it Josh Hoover? I don't think it really matters. Doesn't really. Does so I'll say so one thing is is that it's it's we we still don't um you know it, it's there TCU every week is playing this week by week. Uh but it is a spring MCL. That's a really tough injury to come back from. I, I don't expect Chandler Morris to play Thursday night, but TCU is keeping that close to chest, so who knows? Um but I'm I'm about ninety percent positive Josh Hoover will be the quarterback there. And I'll say this, I, I think Josh Hoover did look good against BYU. He did. I mean there's really no way around it. Put up uh, four over four hundred yards, four touchdowns, and and they were on full uh, Zach Kitley and letting him throw the ball 58 times, right? Um, they they really drove it into BYU in that game, and they were pretty impressive in doing so. But that being said, I do think in this in the game against K-State, where he had, and I had to throw 43 times, I think he kind of showed his vulnerability a little bit. He threw two picks against BYU and then threw a third one against, against K-State. He's a little bit of a wild card in that aspect, and he's prone to making these mistakes. And so... I was, I'll say this, as I was watching that K-State TCU game, it did lead me to believe, like, you know what? Josh Hoover may end up being a good quarterback eventually, but he makes a lot of those dumb freshman mistakes. And so that is something that if you're a defense, can can kind of get you excited. If I'm a defensive player for Texas Tech, I'm watching the film on Josh Hoover and saying, oh, this is a guy we've struggled to get turnovers. 
This is a guy that's going to allow us to do so. This is a guy that's going to let us get some of these turnovers that we've been missing, right? Because we need it desperately. Not a believer, huh? You know, not, and a believer, I, not a believer in us getting turnovers, I should say. This is Groundhog Day, man. We keep... This is Groundhog Day. I will not be fooled again. I will not be fooled again by the trends, by the likelihoods, by the all of it. Because why? Because this team has not given me a good enough reason yet to believe that we should win the games we should be winning. Or that we should win the turnover battles in games that we should be winning. Or that turnover we should battles. be doing... I'll say the D... The defense has given you reasons to believe that we should be winning some games. Uh, but I do agree with you on the turnover battles. We, we haven't been able to, Even in our best defensive games this year, turnovers have been a struggle. BYU, five turnovers. <laughs> oh, I just, you know, it, it's difficult. And, and, and the, the difficult, you know, the context here is that this team is so banged up. This team is so all over the place. Of course, nothing is going to be same week to week. And I'm not going to say, like, this is a... This is not a like condemnation against the team as it, as it was at the beginning of the season. Everything has changed. But where we are now, it's just like I have a hard time trusting that there's any kind of consistency or even game plan to make some of these, like, we should be doing this, come to fruition. Am I wrong in saying that? No, I mean, I don't think you're wrong there. I do think that, so even those five that five turnover game is going to be interesting as we think about the flip side of it, our quarterback situation, right? Are we going to see another Jake Strong? So Baron Morton on the flip, on the other side of it, Baron Morton is recovering back through injury, and uh, got to give props to Jer- Jeremy gave his expert healthcare opinion a few weeks ago on his thoughts that we would not see uh, we would not see Baron Morton against BYU, and we would take extra time to have him heal his AC joint because that's what he needed was time. That we would likely see him back for TCU, and everything that Jeremy said a couple weeks ago is because is coming to fruition, right? Baron Morton is they say he's projecting progressing through practice. He will likely still be considered a game time decision just because it is a Thursday game. But even during the bye week, he was practicing. He was throwing the ball, and so this the fact that he was practicing during the bye week leads me to believe that he should play this game this week. Everything that this, the coaching staff has been saying is almost—it's almost, it's almost a, a done deal that he he'll be the starting quarterback this week, um, and so that does at the very least. Whether I know we've talked about the fact that Jake Strong's been put in a terrible position, and I agree with all of that. That being said, Baron Morton is a wildly better quarterback. There's really no way around it. Baron Morton, with even with a hurt a hurt shoulder, is a better quarterback, or at the very least, better at taking care of the ball. Right, like, like, worse come to worse, we know he's not throwing, he's not turning the ball over five times, right? Hell of a bar, am I right? But he's not turning the ball over five times, and so does that at the very least change the, your perception of not being fooled? The fact that we have a competent, worthy quarterback at the helm, yes. Um, it gives me a little bit of confidence because Morton just has more experience and definitely just talent wise is a lot better than Jake strong is. And so, uh, will we have a playbook that complements that? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Cause that, that's, a, that's, a, that's his own thing. But Morton does certainly give you a lot more opportunity downfield and in the in kind of in that middle area that we've truly been neglecting for why I'm not sure. Um, having Morton back should open up the offense a lot more than you've had with Jake strong, or at least result in a lot more efficiency than you've had with Jake strong. Um, it's, but I mean, I don't, it's almost like I, I, I've, I've just like, I don't care who we have under center because now I'm just wondering about, you know, what is the offensive game plan? Are we going to, Hey, bear Morton, glad you healed up your AC joint. Let's make you throw downfield 30 times. Like, well, let's make, well, let's make you run it. Last time we had a quarterback coming back from soldier injury was Tyler Sheck last year. And he ran the ball 14 times. <laughs> yeah. And so, so it's like, always that, Oh my God. Know? We're the masters of our own destruction. Well, Zach Kittley is the master of our destruction, but you know, we become the man. We, we, we're just like shooting ourselves in the foot. It, it seems like, eh, I do like that Baron Morton is gearing up to play. I think that'll make a big difference in this game. If he can stay healthy throughout the whole game, then we have a really good shot at winning. Absolutely. Especially if the defense has been playing how they've been playing. We can at least stay on the field longer 
I think Baron Morton offers you an ability to convert on third downs, stay on the field longer, give the defense a break, which is going to help the defense play better and keep TCU from getting in a groove. So it, it could pay dividends. It could. It really could. <laughs> a lot of a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas from you. But I no belief. I can't be. I can't hammer it in. I can't hammer it in. So as we so that so that is the case when it comes to quarterback battles. I do think we do have the advantage there, and just in, in that aspect. But I think if you're a TCU fan, you're saying to yourself, "Yes, Hoover did not look good last week, but Ben Morton hasn't played in a few weeks. He also didn't look great last time we saw him play, and so there's not a guarantee." that you have a quarterback advantage there. One thing that I do, I am actually really excited as far as the running back advantage. We all know that Todd Brooks is him. We know, well, everybody but a certain offensive coordinator knows that Todd Brooks is him. Amani Bailey on the other side, also really good running back, right? He's one of the better running backs in the conference. Definitely somebody that's up there, I think, as far as one of the maybe top five, six running backs in there. And their run, TCU's run game has also been pretty successful. But similar, it's almost like a Spider-Man meme, similar. I think a lot of TCU fans are looking at that and saying, why are we not running the ball with Amani Bailey more often, right? Uh, um, Bailey had 12 carries last game. Went for 100 yards off of 12 carries. We only had 12 carries. Josh Hoover had 43. Now, most of that is because they were behind. They played from behind the entire game. The first quarter was 21-3, to right? So, sure, that is an excuse that you can use. And I'd be, I'd be willing to go along with that excuse if the game before, when you were on the opposite end of being this, this high-powered offense that was thrashing the other team, that Josh Hoover didn't still have 58 attempts to Imani Bailey's 13 carries, right, against BYU. So, if you're a TCU fan, a lot of TCU fans say the same thing of why are we not running the ball more, right? And and of course now with with uh, uh, Dykes, this is just the Sonny Dykes is just how he is. We know his offense from the SMU and from Cal, and and this is just how he's been. So we don't expect the run game. He is a true air raid cor- uh, offensive coordinator. And so we don't expect too much of running from him. But I know t- if you're TC, similar to Tech, TCU is also looking at it and saying, run the ball. Yeah. Uh, and we keep getting, it's interesting that we keep seeing these um, situations where you have teams that are like nigh identical to Texas Tech. So we, we were saying that about Baylor earlier this year. We've been saying that about. Um, who else we say about we Baylor earlier this year we were kind of talking about uh, West Virginia a little bit I remember um, some similarities and once again here we are Spider Man memeing it our way <laughs> Spider Man memeing our way to maybe a win um, no I think you make a lot of really good valid I think about what's interesting to me is TCU's kind of drop off um, from being this team that we looked at and go oh crap like Sunny Dax is kind of a home run higher and. Uh, might be sustainable, but it's looking more like they caught lightning in a bottle and they've been plagued with a lot of similar issues that we've been plagued with this season. Now sitting at four and four. And so as I'm looking down, I'm kind of looking down their uh, record this season, you know, looking at the four and four, we're three and five. Um, you know, uh, 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 we're not playing well on the road. They've lost, they've lost two on the road. We've lost three. Um, you know, we're, we're not really, uh, doing anything with the spread the spread nearly doesn't matter with our games um and so it's just like this interesting and i would hate to say in a similar way that i've said earlier in the season that this is a really good with the baylor game it was like a really good metric of okay which team are we going to be the team that should beat up on the teams that should beat up or are we going to be a team that loses to the teams that we should beat up on and we beat up on baylor and so that was optimistic i liked that i thought that was good now until you realize baylor is poochies and then you realize Baylor's the doggest of the dog dung. <laughs> and at least TCU can go out and win some games. So it's this is all like jostling for the bottom of the Big 12, bottom half of the Big 12 is what it is. We're, we are once again in a mid-off. Uh, and I know TCU fans are mega frustrated with the way that their offensive coordinator isn't utilizing, you know, absolute units on their team. And hey, guys, we sympathize. We sympathize. Um, I'm not going to say that you guys got the best running back out there. Everybody knows it's the two Brooks in the conference are the best running backs. But um, really, you know, TCU has a lot that they can do. And I do think that that 44 point or the 44 whatever when it was 
against BYU is a good illustration that TCU still has the dudes to turn it on in the same way that Texas Tech has the dudes to turn it on. But who's going to do it? Because I don't think that TCU fans are really looking at this game like, oh, we're going to go in and win against Texas Tech. (laughs) They might be like, I think that we're going to, it's going to be really close and we're going to blow it because we have a bad call. In the same way that Texas Tech fans are thinking, this might be a really close game and we're going to blow it with a bad call. And that's just not where you, either that I think we picked in the preseason or we talked in the offseason at least, like who are the couple of teams that you're looking like they're going to be striving to like lead the conference in the, in the future Big 12? TCU, Texas Tech, Kansas State. Kansas State, the only one who's interested in doing that right now. Yeah. Well, I'll give TCU this credit as I look at, at TCU's schedule. So they had a really bad loss to Colorado at the beginning of the year. Um, however, every team they've lost to as 4-4 four and four, has been a good team. All right, like so, Colorado. You start off Colorado and all the hype and every all the the hoopla about the Colorado Buffaloes and and Coach Prime and they've been a really fun team to watch. They've won some. They've looked good in some games. Looked awful some games. I I still can't call it whether Colorado's a good or bad team. But their other three losses are West Virginia, which have, has now proven to be a, a good team, three and two in the conference and some decent wins there. Iowa State, who's right now fighting for a conference championship. Let me tell you, if Iowa State pulls it off, it'll be one of the greatest stories in Big Twelve history. Right, Matt Campbell, in my opinion, has redeemed himself. This team should have been the worst team in the conference, considering what how the, the season started. So Iowa State, and their other loss being Kansas State, who's also right now competing for a Big Twelve championship. So, <clears throat> like TCU, I think is very different in that aspect than what we played when we played Baylor, right? Because when we talk about two teams Spider Man meeting each other, right? At the time with Baylor, it was we were very similar, but it was, and we talked about it afterwards after the fact of yes. Very similar how we got here, but Baylor is really bad. And they proved it to us in the first few games. They were really bad, if you paid attention, um, to the teams they were either winning or losing to and how they were doing it. However, TCU, on the flip side, they're, they're beating bad teams and losing to good teams, right? And so it's, it's, it's an argument. This game at Texas Tech, you know, it'll be interesting to see because I, I look at it and say, okay, well – at Texas Tech, the four teams they lost to, I would say, are all better than Tech. Uh, we know, we have unequivocal evidence that we are worse than West Virginia and Kansas State. Um, and then the four games that they won, I would say, are all games that, in similar situations, Texas Tech would, have, uh, would probably win the same game. Because even that game they beat against BYU, BYU played on the road, right? Yeah, BYU kicked our ass, but it's a different, it's a different story in Lubbock, right? Excuse me. So this is very interesting and very different to me because I still don't necessarily think of TCU as a bad team, right? I think of TCU right now, and I do think they lose to Texas Tech. Now you're just, now they're starting to flirt with not not the but the potential to not go to a bowl game. And that's when it gets kind of scary there for them. But this is still not a bad team. They're still a team that looks at it and says, okay, we think we can go six. And, so we think we can go seven and five. If I'm a TCU fan, it's probably what I'm looking at. They still have Texas and Baylor coming up, or Texas and Oklahoma coming up. Those are going to be tough hard-fought games that they're going to have to play. And they have Tech and Baylor, right? Worst come to worst, they're 6-6. Six and six. But losing to Texas Tech, now, ooh, the path of 6-6 six and six is a lot more tough, a lot more difficult. I think fans know that. Players have to know that. And so that's where you kind of you kind of get into that, that foray a little bit. Uh, but one place you never get into a foray is when it comes to getting close from Charlie Hustle. Right, Charlie Hustle. The podcast is brought to us by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. They're a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City and specializes in Texas Tech, Big Twelve, and hometown Kansas City apparel. That's right. Charlie Hustle is the official retailer of the official vintage retailer of the Big Twelve, um, and they want you to be the best dressed fan this season. So be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed Texas Tech apparel today. Show off that school spirit all season long, and make sure you use our promo code ten twelve fifteen. That's good for fifteen percent off of all non sale items. Uh, again, that is ten twelve fifteen for fifteen percent off. Shop today at charliehustle.com. Charlie Hustle vintage made fresh. So as I kind of look at this roster a little bit and give give people a little little bit of an update here when it comes to the the, the TCU Horn Frogs. Um, we kind of already talked about Amani Bailey and Josh Cooper. I think those are the two biggest the pieces on on offense to take a look at there uh, when it comes to their offensive production. Some some good guys, JP Richardson is 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 a really good receiver. 
I, and I don't only do I think he's their best receiver. I don't think there's it's, there's it's not very close between some of the other guys. I mean, they do have Savion Williams, right? They they do have Jalen Robinson, um, but uh, you know, uh, it, it's just Warren Thompson's another one. But it's it's the guy that I, you got to key in on. I think in this game is JP Richardson, uh, right out of the slot. Shifty guy, quick guy, fast guy. Uh, definitely going to want to take a take a look out for him on the offensive side of the ball. I think defensively, uh, same guy that terrorizes last year. They they lost so many pieces from last year's team. One piece they did not lose is Namdi Obiazor. All right, that that Niger boy, he's a good one. <laughs> he's a good one, and so and he still he leads the team in tackles currently uh, with sixty five on sixty five tackles. Six games in the season is is. It was wild. Or eight games in the season, sorry. It was wild, still. Uh, six five tackles, three sacks, uh, two pass defend- defended. Definitely their best player. Um, ar- I could argue that Ob- um, Obiazor is their best player on the entire team. Actually, I'm not going to argue it. I'm going to say it. Yeah, 65 and a, six games in. Yeah, uh, I think he's the... I think he's the best player on the team. He's truly a beast. A couple other guys on defense that I think are really good is Jamoy Hodge, uh, his partner in crime there at the linebacking core, and then Bud Clark leading the team in interceptions. And I'm saying, I mean, this TCU, like, they may have lost people. They still have dudes. Like, like, this is a team of, like, athletes. They're not just a bunch of bums, right? Now, I will say, hey, 65 tackles. uh, Namdi is a senior now? Yeah, uh, we got somebody on our team who's got 66 tackles. <laughs> Talk about fre- it. He's a freshman. <laughs> he a freshman. It. That boy's a freshman. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, Ben. Ben Roberts is a dude, man. I, I love. I love that we kind of for the Oregon game. Like, hey, man, this guy did pretty good. Really proud of this guy, and he just no, he has not let off the gas. I'm just like, I'm stunned, and he's he's gonna. You said what? We think he'll pop up on the freshman All American list. Yeah, I think he'll be a freshman. I think he'll be a freshman All American. I do. When's the last time we had a freshman All American? I don't know. That's a good question. question. That's a good that trivia a good question. Good question. I'm not sure. For all our listeners, you can go look that up yourself. Um, no, but I, you know, here and uh, you know, it's, it's just another illustration and like. You know, I'm looking at ESPN's crappy matchup predictor now. It's like pretty much split. I'm actually thankful that they gave TCU the edge 50.6 to 49.4. Thank God, because Vegas is still giving us points, um, still giving us the edge, probably for being at home. But just like, uh, I don't understand. But it, two identical teams. And so it's going to be really interesting to see for a night game. I am thankful for that. But a Thursday night game in Lubbock. Um, which team is going to really want it more. And so this football, you may look at this actually and say, okay, two crap teams in, uh, and if you're not a part of the Big 12, two crap teams in a crap conference, um, why would you watch this? I actually think this is where football gets really exciting when your expectations are off the table. Because when you look at it, these are two teams that are like struggling they have unmet expectations. They are both struggling. Their head coaches are undoubtedly n- very frustrated with how the season's kind of played out. What are they going to do at the back end of the season when there's really no margin for error? Certainly not with Texas Tech, with the people we have on our s- schedule. Um, you want to be you. You, you want to get bowl eligible. Like you want that bowl eligibility, and now you're facing a team that's very identical to you. What are you like? What are you going to do to get the edge? Does it mean that we're going to call more blitz packages on defense? Are we going to be looking to make those create those turnovers? If so, what does that look like offensively? You know, how are you going to call the game when you know that you have your at one time best backup in the Big 12 starting for the team again? And then are you going to call more tricky plays, or are you realizing that the the chicanery that you've been trying to do, the the crazy like you'll never see this coming four four verts on fourth and two? Are you going to say I need to play more conservative and just get the win here? You know how does the identity? How do the identities shift? How do the identities evolve um, to get this win? Because I think this is a this is a must win for either team to feel co- somewhat confident about getting bowl eligible at the end of the season. I, I'm excited for this game. I hate it, but I'm excited I, for it. I, no, I think it's, listen, Tech TCU is usually fun. 
It's usually a fun game, right? Thursday night, magic, you know, magic can happen. It's usually a fun game. I will say, so let me ask you this, Jimmy. When you look at TCU, what is the thing that scares you the most about this team that you think could give Texas Tech some fits? Mm. I think the ability for them to break off a long play, a long pass especially. Um, and they and they definitely showcase some of that against BYU. 30-plus um, yard passes. And it's not just a one person. There's like six or eight dudes down this receiving core um, that can go up and get it. And so for me, you know, I think what you've done really well this season is mitigate the big plays, you know, mitigate offensive or opposing teams, big plays. <clears throat> but you also have shown a couple of times that you can give up a big play. And so like you've the couple times that the defense just isn't communicating correctly, or I don't know, they're just in a rush or they've been on the field the whole game. Other teams have exploited that and gotten a big play and TCU for all their woes this year, they can still bust out a big play. Um, I would not be afraid. I'm not as afraid of like a big run play uh, because first of all, I'm not expecting, um, I'm not expecting Hoover to run it. And if Chandler Morris plays after the injuries had, I'm not expecting him to run it. So I think we're better equipped against running backs, but I think that we do have a difficult, we do have some difficulty against the long pass plays, um, especially if the play is able to give, is given time to develop. So People like J.P. Richardson, people like Warren Thompson, Dylan Wright, uh, and then, yeah, even the tight ends, Jared Wiley. Like, what's a really difficult area of the field Texas Tech has had a hard time defending this year? The center of the field. Where are the tight ends and the like? The, the slot guy's going to go? The center of the field. So, you know, that's where I think that TCU can really start to hammer away early, and that's what's going to make me most fearful because I haven't seen us defend it well so far. Uh, Jeremy, what is for a new quarterback coming off of injury? What do you think scares a new quarterback more than anything? A good defensive line. <laughs> good deal. A good defensive line. Getting hit. Getting getting hit. Right. Uh, you want to guess who the number one team in the conference in sacks is? TCU. It is TC Texas Christian University, TCU. They lead the, the conference. Analytics in sacks. that matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So they lead the conference in sacks, and um, and they're gonna get. Let me tell you something. They're gonna get after it. Uh, I, I shared in the chat today that. Um, so, well, actually, no. Actually, I don't think I shared this in the chat. So, Rusty stats, uh, Rusty, good old Rusty. Uh, we're actually having a, a nice little O line um, switch during the bye week with uh, our our pal, our good old buddy old pal, uh, Rusty, who's been the starting center. Uh, he's been the starting center for most of the season, I would say, this year. But we kind of saw the Rusty really struggled in that BYU game. Well, I think they had, the metric was that twenty five percent of his snaps, excuse me, were were um, inaccurate. Inaccurate snaps. So him and Dennis Wilburn are switching spots. Dennis Wilburn will be the center in this next game where Rusty's going to be moving to right guard. Um, main reason, and the main reason that was given is that Rusty is still one of the best five linemen we have. AKA, we ain't got nobody else. <laughs> you can't get benched because we ain't got nobody to replace him. So Dennis Wilburn is moving to center. Um, man, how do you feel if you're Sheridan Wilson, who's supposed to be the backup center? Like, hey, coach, come on, man. <laughs> Uh, but Dennis Wilburn's moving to center. Rusty Stats going over to right guard. And so you're doing this O-lineman change against the best, you know, D-line, arguably the best D-line in the conference, but at the very least the best pass rusher in the conference um, and the team that gets the most action. Going up against a quarterback who's coming back from injury, right? So not great, not great feeling there. So that's, I think, the thing that scares me the most is just this they're going to be able to get after it right TCU is going is they're designed to get after the quarterback and make him feel complicated make him feel uncomfortable I think as a as an offense that is where I would like to see 
some some draw plays, some screens. Screens actually I think would work a lot in this game, especially as they dial up the pressure. They like to the TCU loves to blitz. So especially as they blitz in this game, you know, getting some screens going, I think would be a fantastic way to get things done. All right, we talked about Obiazor and Hodge. They especially love the blitz. Between the two of them have five and a half sacks alone. Um you know, and so I think getting the opportunity to do so there where you're using these screens. Real quick, actually, and, and, and talking about that, um, as I'm looking at, at it now, they have 20 sacks on the season. Uh, of those 20 sacks, only I was going to count how many the uh, people that from that not on D-line had. It's actually easier to count how many people from the, how many sacks from the D-line. So really only, uh, what is this? Of the 20 sacks, I see only eight of them are from the D-line. It means 12 of them come from the secondary of the linebacking group. So that's that they're blitzing. And that's what TCU has been. Sonny Dykes likes to do it. His, his defense coordinator likes to do it. They like that's what TCU did all last year. And they're gonna continue to do it. This is a perfect team to mix up wide receiver screens, to mix up running back screens, right? To to do it early and give that quarterback some time. Um, short passes, right? And maybe not necessarily into into the into the uh, linebackers, right? But short passes out to the edges, right? Quick outs, um, things like that. And I think that's where you know um, that's where you're going to be able to give yourself some more time come the second half, where they're having a second guess, where they're like, man, I don't know if we can blitz here because we don't want to leave ourselves open to this this other piece there. So, so that's the thing there. Um, another piece to, to think worry about. I didn't mention this in the chat. Uh, so CJ Baskerville, who's played the star position all, all year, and I have been somewhat critical of him at time to time. He's actually moving to our strong safety position, our boundary safety position, as Tyler Owens will now be the new star. Uh, so we will see how that works. I mean, I, I have, yeah, I, I, I don't really have, I don't really have a, a any analysis, any emotion towards it. For you. <laughs> I got nothing for you there. I thought CJ Baskerville was really good at the line of scrimmage. Um, he was really great at breaking up screens. He's really great at attacking running backs, uh, and he struggled in coverage. Right, that that's that's really where it is. Tyler Owens, I think, is better in coverage. I don't know if he's that good at the line of scrimmage stuff. Right, so we'll see. I, I actually think it could be beneficial. It could also stink and be awful. We'll find out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, Jeremy, are you ready for our prize pick? Prediction. That's right. Prize picks. Make sure to go on prize picks. Download the app. Get on the website. Download the app. And when you get download the app, you start your you sign up your little account. You're like, man, what's Albie and Jeremy talking about? This prize picks. You know what I mean? I don't I don't know about spending my money on this app, my hard-earned money. I get it. Listen, I get it. I'm cheap. I'm frugal. Okay. Um, I'm African, so I don't know how else to but to be frugal and cheap. Uh, but because I'm one thing as an African that I refuse to do is let free money go away and just lay on the table. And so if you are like me and are cheap and frugal like me, you're going to go on a price picks. You're going to put on our promo code takes 12. That's T A K E S one, two. And that promo code is going to give you a 100% match on anything you put up to a hundred, hundred bucks. You want to put up a dollar. You don't get a dollar. You want to put up five bucks. You can get a free five bucks. You want to put up a hundred dollars. That's the max you can put up is a free hundred dollars. Listen, I'm not, I'm not going to pocket watch. You do you, but I'm trying to get you free money here. So make sure you go to Prize Picks and use our promo code TAKES12 to get that match up to $100. So Prize Picks prediction, Jeremy. Who should be the offensive player to watch on the Texas Tech side? Mm, to watch? The, the key. Key offensive player in this game. Oh, man. Baron Morton. Um, really going on a limb there, huh? The quarterback. Quarterback is the guy to watch. I, I I was gonna, and you know, and that's not like a confident thing. It's like uh, he's gonna make the, he's gonna make or break the game. Uh, if Baron Morton can't throw it after having his AC joint injury, we're gonna we're gonna. Well, here's what's gonna happen: is that he's gonna be forced to throw it and then make bad throws and then interceptions and things like that. Um, the ideal world where a quarterback isn't throwing well is that you're be you able to hand it off. Um, so he, he's kind of, you know, I, we talked about earlier this season going from game manager to game changer. He's kind of the game changer in this one, but not in the way that I really wanted it to be of like, <laughs> more like, uh, 
if you if you're still injured, you're gonna screw this game up. Hey, let me tell you something. <laughs> not, not not to cut you off, but it I, we just need a game manager at this point. Uh, I'm, let's let's go back. <laughs> let's go let's back. Go, go back. Yeah. We we had a game. You know what is game changer? Jake Strong was a game changer, but not the way we were thinking about. It. Let's go back. Let's go back to Barry Morton, <laughs> game manager, bud. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, Baron Morton, huh? All right. So, you know, last week, I think it was, or last time we had a preview, I I said that the, my offensive players was the O-line. It's kind of a cop-out. I would have made Jeremy, uh, I would have made fun of Jeremy for making that prediction of claiming five guys to be the offensive player. Um, he didn't, he didn't make fun of me for it because he's a good guy. I, however, am not. And so, therefore, I make fun of him for it. But um, I will say the O-line, as terrible as that game was, gave up zero sacks. Gave up zero sacks against BYU. Now, whether you think that's a positive or a negative, because um, we still had five turnovers, I, I get it. But they did give up zero sacks. I am going to pick a person this time, however. Um, I am going to pick a person. Listen, Monroe Mills, you're going you're gonna to have – it's going to be a challenge in this game. This is a tough – Tough. Actually, I'm going to pick two people. Monroe Mills and Cole Spencer, right? Cole Spencer has been hurt, but there's thoughts that he actually may be back for this game. And this may be his first game back. And I am excited. I am excited for this. So what are you doing in your first game back, Cole Spencer? Yeah, we're playing the best, the best, uh, arguably the best front seven in the conference. So, oh, one of the best. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but one of the best front sevens in the conference. Cole Spencer was supposed to be kind of our star old lineman at the beginning, and from right from the beginning, he got hurt. And so he's been battling back, and hopefully we see, see him in this game. If not him, Monroe Sp- Mills, step up to the plate. Let's see what you can do at that left tackle position against this one. So I'm calling out players this time, Jeremy. Not the whole unit. Cole Spencer, Monroe Mills um, on the offensive side. So defensively, Jeremy, who is your prize picks player on the defensive side? To watch C.J. Baskerville. <laughs> what are you gonna do, man? What are you gonna do with this new position? Um, as far as like, as far, I mean, honestly, as far as it goes to watch, like we know what we're getting with the defense. These changes are interesting, and so I'm interested to see this change up with Baskerville and how he adjusts to that. <sighs> because while he has been a little bit of a liability in coverage, man, he's been able to get like downhill really quickly and make big hits that have that have done really well for kind of the mojo of this defense and I wonder what it's going to be like to switch him around you know will he have kind of that same attack angle and power that he's been been able to have with the free with the space that he's had but I don't know I, I that's the player that I'll be watching probably the most this Thursday uh Josh Hoover has three interceptions in two games we are the second worst team in interceptions in the conference Tied for second worst. Only five on the season. Uh, for the love of God, Malik Dunlap, please. Because you're the only one I'm confident in getting an interception. I, I'm not. Sorry, Rabbit. You've lost my faith. Right? You've lost my faith, Rabbit. Uh, I've never had faith in you in getting an interception, Tyler Owen. Sorry to, sorry to break it to you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Braylon Lutchie hasn't got one either. Malik Dunlap, we need you. I need two from you. From this guy, I need two. Because I, I actually think this is the game, if we're going to win, where take three is going to have to happen. Against this quarterback, take three is going to have to happen in this game. For Texas Tech to win the game, take three is going to have to happen. And, I, and I'm going to need at least two interceptions. I think Lee Dunlap can be the one to get both of them. But definitely at least one of them from Lee Dunlap, um, I think, is going to be necessary. We're going to need to have it for in order to win this game. And this is this is the guy that's going to be susceptible to doing so. And let's, let's make sure it happens, right? Because last few games... We have gone up against guys that are veterans. They know the way to rate around it. Keaton Slovis is about 46 years old, right? He knows what he's doing back there. Will Howard is is ready to, to go into a geriatric house. He knows what he was doing back there, right? But this is now we're going back to a nice, young freshman that is just, you know, he, he, he wasn't supposed to be playing this year, right? Like now he's he was off the hype of his first game. Now he's calmed back down, and it's time for us to deliver the blow. And I think Malik Dunlap can get an interception here. So, with all that being said, right, both Texas Tech and TCU are 2-3 and three in conference, Jeremy. Texas Tech coming off of a bye. 
We've everybody has talked crap about Joey McGuire and Zach Kitley for a week and a half. They've heard it. Everybody's heard it, right? Uh, and what do you think? In the Jones Thursday night, who you got? Who wins, Jeremy? Oh my God, I hate this so much. Um, Texas Tech does lead the series thirty-two to thirty. I looked that up. That's pretty sweet. TCU has, however, had our number since 2014. You know, um, they've won two, three, seven of the last. You know, seven of the last nine. nine. Seven of the last mm. seven of the last ten. We'll say we'll round it up. Seven of the last ten. They've just had our number, man. It seems like no matter what, just can't catch a freaking break. And so, with us being so similar, even though it's in Lubbock, because. I mean, TCU could care less. <laughs> they they like to win in Lubbock. They've been doing it for a while. Um, yeah, for me, it's it's a it's a tough loss Thursday night. It's a it's a uh, for I, I could feel like a uh, maybe like a thirty three twenty seven loss against TCU where we can't we just can't string it together at the end. So uh, you know. Y'all come on here for years and have said, man, Albie and Jeremy, y'all are a realistic podcast. You don't always pick Texas Tech. You don't always do it. All right? You, 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 sometimes you pick Tech, sometimes you don't. But we know you're going to give it to us straight. Right? Um, I have picked Texas Tech this year probably more than I ever have in my life. <laughs> and it's not because I'm just so confident in this team. I, I just Every game, every week we come here and I say, like, Texas Tech should win the game. Like, I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at both teams, and I'm saying, no, we're better. We should beat TCU. We should have beaten K-State on the state that they were in, right? We should beat West Virginia. We should beat Wyoming. I think the only game that I didn't predict us to win was Oregon. And every week they disappoint me. And you know what? And you know what they say the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Jeremy, I'm insane. Because I want to do it again. <laughs> I'm doing it again. He's insane, I, folks. I'm insane. I this is a bye week. Baron Morton is back. I I you know, this is Baron Morton being back does make me feel a little bit better. I did feel a little bit I do think if Baron Morton would have played against K State. I'm not saying we would have won that game, but it wouldn't have been as embarrassing it was at the end there. Um And it's just I, I'm a glutton for punishment, I I guess. I look at this game, and I, I do think these two teams on paper are pretty close. And I do think us being at home gives us the edge. Um, you know, I'm hoping that this team has some self-respect to go off of a bye, right? This is that's, I think that's another thing that gives me a little bit of solace and that we are coming off of a bye in this game. And so we did have extra time. To to plan this out, to go through the to go through what was necessary in this, and um, yeah, that's that is my I guess my saving grace in that you know this that was a buy. Um, now of course, I say all that, but uh, TCU is also coming off a buy, so it's not like we have an advantage there. But uh, it, it it at the very least, I just I feel a little bit better about it and and thinking that both teams were embarrassed last time they stepped out on the field. This time there now TCU's going on the road to Lubbock. I, I I gotta I gotta feel something. I gotta feel that something is going to be moving and trending in the right direction. I think I might feel differently if Chandler Morris was playing in this game, but he's not. Josh Hoover is, and I, like I said, I, I think this is the game where we can get some some turnovers off of him. <sighs> give me um give me 3828. Oh, that's a pretty good Pretty good margin. 38-28. I, you know, you know, 38-28. I actually think it's going to be close all game. The reason I say 38-28 is that I believe that it'll be close all game. It'll be, and, you know. Well, if you get those three turnovers, you know, you better win by at least 10. Pick six, pick up three, and we get a pick six to to, to end it. So, Um, yeah, there it is. There it is. 38-28. Um, that's the sound of confidence, folks. You've never heard Albie more sure of himself. <laughs> Thirty-eight, thirty-four. Sorry. <laughs> Thirty-eight, 
talk myself out of it that quickly. Listen, <laughs> we got we got to end this podcast because before you know it, I may talk myself out of the entire prediction. So thirty eight thirty four is my prediction. Jeremy, anything else you want to say to the people? Not a thing. Not a thing. Same here. I'm 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 now I'm thinking about it even more. So no thirty eight thirty four my final answer. Um, Texas Tech TCU Thursday night national televised game because why not? Um, and uh, we will have. A basketball. Hey, before we get out of here, basketball, huge, huge win. Well, I won't say huge, huge. Nice win in an exhibition match, a charity exhibition match. Uh, I, I was joking with Jeremy Prepod. It was the biggest win in a game that didn't matter whatsoever. <laughs> the biggest pointless win in program history. Because uh, the game didn't matter. The game didn't matter. Game didn't count. People were there. Um, and so we know about it, but the game didn't, the ring the bells tweet, I thought was funny because are we ringing the bells for a game that technically does not count in the standings or ringing the bells for charity or whatever? Yeah. Ringing the bells for charity. But I I do think that though it doesn't matter and though it doesn't count on our record, it does two things. One, people know about it, right? John Rothstein was was tweeting about it. Uh, Fran Fischilla was tweeting about it. Like people, writers know about it. So they know that Texas Tech went on a neutral site and beat the 15th ranked team in the country. A decent A&M team, right? Like, and yeah, they were missing one of their big men, but it's still a decent A&M team. And so they know that. So next time that they're doing the AP poll, they're going to say, you know what? That Texas Tech team actually might be pretty good. So there's that. So perception is risen. And then two, I think there was a lot of questions on both Grant McCaslin and this team. A lot of questions. A lot of people were pessimistic about how McCaslin went through the offseason and about how this team was was put together. And, you know, a lot of like no stars came through. It wasn't a star coach. And no no star transfers. I mean, the biggest transfer I would argue that is probably Toussaint from West Virginia. Um, you know, there's maybe Cambridge if you if you you know, but it was just there wasn't anybody that just shot out at the screen. And, and no high-profile transfers that came through. Um, and so there was a lot of questions. A lot of people saying, man, I don't, I don't trust this McCaslin guy. But you know who trusted him was he trusted himself, right? We, we talked about it before. He didn't lose out on recruits. He didn't lose out on coaches. He had recruits he wanted. He had coaches he wanted. And he just waited until those guys were ready and to bring them on. And so it's, you know, I think that now faith is kind of restored back into the program. I'm curious to know how many people bought season tickets to the basketball team after that game, right? And I think that's important. I, I do think that as though the game doesn't mean anything, if we lose by 30 in that game, the exact opposite happens, right? Where people are like, see, told you. See, this is, you know, see, this is this is going to be a long season. This is that, this is that. Now faith is back restored. I will say a month from now, that game could mean absolutely nothing if we could lay an egg to begin the season. But it really, this just gives you an idea of, this may be the type of team we're, we're going to look for to uh, be looking forward to in this year. So, so yeah, basketball. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it later this week. Uh, so for Jeremy, um, the pessimistic people's champ, this is Albie, the most optimistic he's ever been. Uh, and you've been listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the Ten Twelve Network. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.